Hey everybody, Ben Fredrickson here for another edition of the Eye on the Tigers podcast alongside my co-host Dave Matter. It's a jam-packed episode this week, everybody. We are going to be off from the podcast next week, which means we're spending this week breaking down basically the Mizzou men's basketball non-conference schedule as they prepare to start SEC play with a bang against a very good, highly ranked Tennessee team. And also looking at Mizzou football's bowl game situation, the Music City Bowl in Nashville on schedule for the Tigers against Iowa. The Hawkeyes having some COVID issues. We'll get into that. Who's going to play? Will Missouri be playing Iowa? Which players will be on the field? Could there be a backup opponent? Um, We'll get into all that um, with Dave, as well as look at that regular season ending Mississippi State loss. Plenty to discuss, including a crazy basketball game the other night in Columbia. Um, Dave, let's start with hoops. But first of all, man, happy holidays and uh, hope you and your family are doing well. Yeah, happy holidays. It's 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 kind of snuck up on me. It's been such a a little you've been a little busy. Hopefully my wife's not listening. She's out uh <laughs> Christmas shopping right now, but um trying to finish that up. But yeah, it's it's been a crazy couple of weeks here. The overlap has never been like this before with football and basketball. And then you add in just the absolute uncertainty of what every day will bring as far as the schedule goes and it's been uh it's been unlike anything else. It's been a we were running through the top stories of of the of the year the calendar year that was COVID crazy 2020 and I encourage folks to Mizzou fans to check that out Dave your your list is is available your breakdown I'm doing the the top 10 of the year all St. Louis sports um, and it's got some Mizzou moments in there as well um, but man that, that is your well put it's it's been chaotic here but the good news is there have been sports being played meaningful games and um, hard to find a more interesting game than the one that you covered the other night in Columbia, Missouri, Bradley, it wasn't pretty. Don't mistake me no. for saying it was pretty. It was the rock fight of all rock fights. And Missouri finds a way to squeeze out a win on a pretty remarkable, considering the hero three-point play from Jeremiah Tillman, who goes old-fashioned on the three-point play, makes a free throw to win a game that where Missouri looked flat, Dave. They hadn't played in, in 10, get, 10 days. It clearly showed but they were able to to pack enough defense to to hold close and found a way to win. Now, what did you make of of that one? And, and what do you kind of make of putting a bow on this non-conference season? The Tigers are six and zero. Oh. Um, they are, I think, one of fourteen teams in the country to be uh, undefeated with as many as six games played. They have two top twenty-five wins um, against Oregon, and of course, the big one against Illinois. Pretty good way for the Tigers to cruise in the conference play, but they did it by the hair of their chinny chin chin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think what's been most impressive is just how they have finished well, even in games where they haven't necessarily played well. I mean, it was it was abysmal offensively against Bradley. It was the worst shooting percentage of any game under Conzo in three plus seasons now. Uh, the second worst three point shooting night. I mean, other than Xavier Pinson, nobody made a three pointer. It was that bad. And he hit some big ones and they're all big when everyone else is missing. And uh, they just did enough. I mean, they're eight minutes, 12 minutes left. They're down eight. And eight felt like 16 at that point. I mean, because it was just both teams are so offensively starved. I thought if if either team starts hitting a few shots, this thing's over. And Bradley did. And then you felt like, okay, there's no way Missouri can come back. But to their credit, enough things went wrong for Bradley. And Missouri gets some credit there. Bradley missed the front end of a one-and-one free throw. And Drew Smith rough game for him, foul trouble all night, comes up with a gigantic rebound, and uh, Missouri runs down the floor. Mark Smith comes as close as you can to a backcourt <laughs> violation without without 
you know, having the violation, um, throws it back to Pinson. The play gets scrambled at that point. There's like six seconds left. Pinson gets into the paint, finds Tillman. Tillman finishes at the most unbelievably awkward angle. I don't know how he did it. Just had to like turn himself into a pretzel to get a shot off, much less make the shot and get the foul. And then to calm his nerves enough to get the free throw. Uh, he couldn't, and they couldn't celebrate it either because then, then it took like three chances for Bradley to get the one second off. You had to re the replay review. It's kind of anticlimactic at that point, but they found a way. And that's, uh, there's something to be said for being able to do that. The definition of Mitchell Smith might be um, making people, I would say Conzo would pull his hair out, but he doesn't have any yeah. hair to pull, um, of, of catching the pass out of bounds that Bradley heaved in for the yeah. baseline to yeah. give them another chance with the ball across half court. And then what, just when everybody is ready to, you know, uh, kick Mitchell Smith off the team, he finds a way to reject the pass right. on the on the following play in order to actually seal the wind, even keep Bradley from getting a chance to shoot. It was ugly. It was it looked like Missouri kind of was rusty after not playing um, for 10 days. And they're going to have to figure that out, Dave, because they've yeah. got some more time off now before a game against Tennessee. And Tennessee is looking like a Final Four team. They haven't played a ton because they were delayed due to COVID. But since they've been on the court, they're holding teams to incredibly low point totals. And they are, they're running away with games. They're a talented team that Rick Barnes has in Knoxville. If Missouri has that kind of stagnant stand-around offense against Tennessee, they will not be in a position where they can close out a game with a strong run in the second half. Yeah, and then Tennessee is the team I picked to win the SEC right now. Tennessee and Missouri are the only ranked teams in the conference. They've scored 100 points in their last two games. You know, Not impressive opponents, but they opened up with two nice wins over Colorado and Cincinnati. It'll, it will be their first road game. They've played everything so far in Knoxville. They've got one more game um, tonight as we record this against the USC Upstate. So not a big challenge there by any means. So I, I think this is this is where it's going to be a shame that Missouri can't have a full house uh, because it'd be a great environment. You know, after the bowl game, you then you settle in for an eight o'clock tip at home for the SEC opener on, uh, you know, the, the day before New Year's Eve. But, you know, Missouri's not going to be able to have that many fans there. So they're not really going to have that home court advantage. Um, that might work for them when they go to some road games this year, but it kind of works against you at home game. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be the best team they play this year. I think at this point, we've seen Illinois fall off a little bit with some losses. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. They just, they can't come out looking like that offensively and, and, uh, and go through, you know, a, a stretch. They went, they missed 11 straight shots at one point in that game. You just can't do that against a, a really good team like Tennessee. Non-conference wise though. Hey, two top 25 wins, um, a wins against teams that very well could go on to win their conference. Um, I mean, Oregon, yeah. Wichita State could be could be in the mix. Bradley could very well win the NBC again. Um, Missouri's got as good of a non-conference schedule right now as you're going to find with a, with a team that didn't have any losses in there. Um, I got to think they're feeling pretty good about the way that's going to look to the NCAA tournament committee um, for a team that was picked to finish 10th in the uh, SEC, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it would help them too if some of these other teams in the league play a little better, so you can have a little better strength of schedule. The, the league itself just doesn't look too hot right now. I mean, you, Arkansas has won a bunch of games; they haven't beaten anybody of note. Yep. Uh, their best opponent might be Missouri's worst, Oral Roberts. So yep. that's just how. Uh, so so that that means they could come out and be really good in conference play. We just don't know. And Ole Miss is kind of the same way. Um, we know Kentucky has struggled like crazy and Florida has its issues with Keontae Johnson and just uh, they had to cancel a bunch of games. So it's just been such a disjointed 
month or so as far as the the league's the non-conference schedules goes within the league at least we know things are going well for kentucky oh wait um no they're not but it's apparently all it's apparently all uh cameron fletcher's fault not cal's um the guy makes millions of dollars a year but i digress dave let's pivot to uh football here um this this music city bowl is interesting i I know mizzou fans are going how come the, the tigers are not playing in florida you said hey you've reported this hold on a second everybody pump the brakes this is not Zoo getting the short end of the stick here. The Tigers preferred to go to Nashville for the Music City Bowl. It can get more family members to games. Really, the perks that you would have in a normal bowl season, bowl game are not there. Um, you're not right. going to get to go to the beach. You're not going to get the concerts. Um, you're not going to get all the fun. You're going to get the, the swag, but you're not going to get the experience. So a trip to Nashville wasn't really all that that much worse than a trip to one of the Florida Bowls. And really a pretty good Iowa team, an Iowa team that finished the season strong, um, a team that has one of the top offenses and defenses in the top three offense and defense in the big 10. Um, but we don't know day that Missouri is for sure going to be playing Iowa. They have paused activities due to COVID. Um, Kirk Ferenc has, has had um, an experience with, with COVID here. There's some whisperings out of Iowa that maybe this game, this bowl appearance by the Hawkeyes could get, could get bagged entirely. What do you make of where this game stands right now? What happens if Iowa has to pull out? Will that mean Mizzou doesn't play? What do you make of kind of where this game is right now and 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 the likelihood of it happening as scheduled? Yeah, well, we're we're a week out as we're recording this from the game. So you would think any decision, if I was going to make it, would have to come pretty soon uh, so you can get another opponent in there. From what everything I understand and been told, Missouri is very intent on playing this game. Now, if if they now they are sending their players home for Christmas if 20 of them come back with COVID, you know, then we'll see if they can actually have a team on the field. And so that's Missouri side of things on Iowa's side. We know they had like an emergency meeting with their senior leadership group with Kirk Ferentz. I believe that was on Sunday. And uh, just from what I've kind of heard and some of this is secondhand, Iowa players weren't exactly thrilled that they accepted a bowl bid. We saw there were some other big 10 teams that decided to not play in a bowl, even though they everybody was eligible. Nebraska is one of them. Um, at, over in the Big 12, I think Kansas State is, is not playing in a bowl game. Um, so they had the options, but Iowa went ahead with it. They're going to have some opt-outs. I think it's pretty clear. Some of their better players, they've got a bunch of guys injured. I think the last report I saw was six members of the coaching staff have tested positive for COVID. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is at home in quarantine until the 27th. So through the weekend, it's just a mess. Now, what we have seen all season long and even through this bowl season already, teams have been pretty agile and you can, you can find a replacement. UAB is out there right now as sort of a free agent. They're, 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 in, they're standing in standby, <laughs> waiting to be picked up. They were supposed to play South Carolina in the Gasparilla Bowl. South Carolina had COVID issues, so they canceled that bowl game got shelved. So UAB is out there waiting for an opponent. Same thing happened with Tennessee's bowl game. They're supposed to play West Virginia. Tennessee had COVID issues, can't play in the Liberty Bowl. So Army stepped in and is going to play West Virginia. So I would think between now and the weekend, if Iowa can't play, there's probably going to be another cancellation somewhere else. So there will probably be a, a free agent out there willing to jump in. Uh, so it's, it's tough. I mean, Missouri coaches got to sit there and prepare for somebody. So they're going to prepare for Iowa. But at this point, there's no guarantee that that's going to be the opponent or, or that that's even going to be the game. If you're planning on flying to Nashville as one of the few fans who get to, gets in the building, probably go with a refundable ticket. 
Um, and I would also ask about what happens if plans change, just because yeah. all of this, all of this stuff is so much up in the air, including which players will be on the field. Iowa's had opt-outs um, and, and I imagine could have more. Uh, Missouri has had a couple of players say that they will not be playing in the bowl game. And I know that in, in normal years, there's always criticism of these players. I kind of go on the other end. If a guy is locked up to go to the NFL and go make his payday and he feels like, you know, he doesn't want to risk playing in a game that's not going to help him um, or he's, he's hurt and, and doesn't want to, you know, risk getting hurt worse in a game that might not help him all that much. I, I get it. I know some people don't, and some people think it's maybe quitting on the team. I would like to see someone accuse Nick Bolton of that, who will yeah. be opting out and preparing for the NFL draft. Dave, what do you make of where Missouri stands? Um, they're already shorthanded, but they've got some key players and Nick Bolton, Larry Borm, who have said they're not going to be playing in this game, as opposed to Larry Roundtree, who says, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's going to be a a skeleton offense and defense, I'm afraid. And I, that just doesn't go for Missouri. I think a lot of these bowl games that aren't in the playoffs are going to be kind of up in the air on who they play. You might, it, it might be walk on bowl season uh, just because of guys opting out uh, who think that it, you know, it could hurt their, their draft stock. You got to throw the COVID stuff in there too. They're, they're traveling. It's the holidays. Players haven't seen their families in a really long time, especially anything about freshmen. I mean, this is tough on them. They just moved to college and they've, they, their only chances away from their dorm or their, classroom or their football locker room is when they go on a road trip so um it's I, I don't fault kids this this cycle for making those choices especially if millions of dollars are on the line like they are for Nick Bolton uh Larry Borum is not a first round draft prospect but he did have a knee injury this year and missed several games and ended up having just an outstanding junior year uh so I you, know, you don't don't fault these guys they're missing out on a mid-tier bowl game uh, I don't think their coaches necessarily fault them or teammates, really. They want them to go out and get paid and, and uh, do what, what's best for them and their families. Larry Roundtree, and then a guy that makes his decision, you salute them and say, hey, great, you know, you're, you're risking things by playing. He also is right there on the doorstep of 1,000 rushing yards. I'm sure he'd like to get that milestone. And this is a really good test for him. I was one of the best rush defenses in the country. And, uh, you know, he hasn't exactly produced – big time in Missouri's biggest games this year. And that's not all on him. That's on the offensive line and the passing game, being able to balance it out. But if, if he can have a nice game against Iowa, that, that really, sh you know, that can help out his, uh, his NFL credentials. Am I being a Scrooge here to wonder what's the, what's the, what's the upside of playing this game? And I know like, I, I'm not, I'm not a cancel the season kind of guy. You and I have talked a lot about how we're viewing college basketball and college football. But the specifically this not these non-playoff bowl games, right? Where a we don't know if they're going to happen until the day they happen. B players are opting out left and right. We're hearing Eli Drinkwitz talk about how they're down to fifty-something players, and yeah. we're seeing the effects of that at, at Mississippi State, where you've got you know Sean Robinson who started the season at quarterback playing pretty admirably as a defensive back. Kind of made me wonder why he wasn't there earlier yeah. in the season. But I mean, we've got you know Missouri's got offensive linemen playing on the defensive line who've never played on the offensive line. I mean, this is getting pretty bare bones here. Has anyone said, Hey, maybe this, maybe this just isn't the year to go to a non-playoff bowl game. I mean, we, we see there are some teams having that discussion, but it seems like right. the sec has said, Hey, we're not even going to talk about not playing these bowl games. Yeah. Well, you know, they made a, a week or so ago, uh, the league sent these documents out. I'd like to see what, what these are to each, to each member university, 
basically a pledge sign this and pledge that you will play in the bowl game this year. And it, it, it was, it started at the top at the university president's level, it went down to Jim Sturk and Eli Drinkwitz had to sign it. So basically saying, Hey, I know we don't have a winning record necessarily wouldn't qualify under normal bowl standards, but uh, we're going to play because these conferences are locked into these bowl agreements with these sponsors and with these host cities. And there's TV inventory on the line here. And that's, we, we know that's what makes the big decisions here, we, but teams do have the ability to not play. We've seen Tennessee and South Carolina make that call. Now those were also teams that went two and eight and three and seven this year. So they haven't exactly been playing like they've wanted to keep this season going for a while. Missouri, there is some incentive. You, if you win, you have a winning record. You know, six and five sounds a lot better than five and six or even five and five. If you're Drinkwitz, and I, I, I do think he'll have the team's best interest at heart here, but if he wins, remember, he's got a clause in his contract. Every time he wins a bowl game, he gets an extra year added to his contract plus $100,000 added to his salary every year. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to put his players at, at, in harm's way by any means just to get that 100K. He's making $4 million a year. I think he's doing all right. But there are incentives out there for why you want to play a bowl. And if you're a player at Mizzou who is healthy, who's gotten through this season, and you want to go out there one more time, uh, even if it's in Nashville instead of Florida, they're not going to be, like you said, they're not going to Disney World anyway. Uh, they're going to be seeing their hotel and they're going to be seeing the stadium and that's about it. So, uh, I, you know, I see some players probably want to, um, they just like playing football and especially the guys that haven't necessarily gotten a lot of chances to play this year. We're going to see some backups play and it's a decent chance to see what they can do for this team. I think we can, so we, what we can agree on here is this, if it's, it's clearly a money situation for the, for the teams and the universities, which is fine. That's a lot of big time college sports. So if it, for the kids who want to play in it, awesome, go get them. Um, for the guys who decide that they're, they're going to make the decision in their own self-interest to not play, I don't think they didn't need to get a bunch of criticism because <laughs> this is clearly a situation where everybody's got to do what's best for them. Um, and that's kind of how, how, how I'm going to view this. I'm certainly don't, don't want to tolerate any sort of um, any sort of criticism of Nick Bolton, who, if you've been watching the games, it looked like he's been playing banged up for right. a while now. So right. it wouldn't really make sense for him to go out there and do that again um, for the situation that we've described. I don't know that we're going to put much analysis into the bowl game. Um, you know, we'll see who's available for it, first of all. So I do want to kind of put a bow on the regular season for Mizzou, Dave. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought this was a team that might win two, three games tops. Yeah. I said going into it, a signature win would be great for kind of a sign that Eli Drinkwitz can move this thing in a positive direction. Well, he did that against defending national champion LSU, although it wasn't a good year for the Tigers of Baton Rouge. That was still a very big win. And they 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 came up with five wins total, which was surpassed my expectations. They have a quarterback in Connor ba Bazelak, who wins co-freshman of the year award for the league, a guy that we didn't know much about entering this season and didn't get a chance to really see him much in spring and fall because of the COVID restrictions on practice availability, things of that nature. Um, they've got to figure out what's going on defensively. Um, and then they did have some injuries, some COVID issues on that side, which probably clouded things. But the defense gave way after some strong performances earlier in the season. But what do you make of kind of year one of, of regular season of Eli Drinkwitz? Yeah, there's so many different ways to look at this. If you want to come across the optimistic view and say, hey, they're only supposed to win two or three, then this is a, a, a raging success. If you want to look at it and say, man, this team won five of six at one point and was so close to being right there at the, the joining the top tier in the league, 
then you're disappointed with the finish. Um, it's not just losing to Georgia. It's how they lost to Georgia. And yep. then going losing to a Mississippi State team, um, 51 to 32. I think the, the 51 is a little bit misleading. Everybody wanted to fire the defensive staff after that game. You got to remember two of those touchdowns were not on the defense. One was special teams, and then one was the pick six by, uh, by Connor Bazelak. So you, you still give up, what, what's that, 37. And uh, to a Mike Leach team, most years that's about an average day for for uh, Mike Leach <laughs> offense. Well, it was that they ran the ball so well. I think that was the yeah. most frustrating part. And that's that's what it, it you don't you still don't give them a passing grade on that side of the ball. So that, I think there's some disappointment there. And then I think if you look at this, and this is going to sound like the Grinch looking at this season, Missouri was a lot closer to three and seven than they were three seven and three. They won two games on the last play of the game the field goal against Arkansas and then the Josh Bledsoe tip at LSU. So you, people can look at that two, one of two ways, either, man, they were close to blowing those games and being three and seven, or Missouri made the plays you had to make down the stretch. And they haven't done that in the past very well. Um, if you can build on that, build some, some confidence there, um, develop those players a little bit better, find, just make some roster tweaks, fixes at some weak spots then you're you're really close the pessimist looks at the losses and said man those Missouri was barely competitive in those games it's not like they didn't have close losses this year so there's still a big gap and I, I think we knew that going in obviously and just look at a few position groups where they've got to they've got to do a lot to build there whether it's just recruiting or developing talent wide receiver they just don't have game breakers there defensive line at times looks manhandled and you can say the same for the offensive line they've they've got a, there's a lot to do here and I, I think it was really interesting this week I heard him on SEC Network Drinkwitz he brought up two programs that he's comparing Missouri to and what he sees going forward and they're both in the same state Iowa State and Iowa he looks at what Matt what uh, Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State it has not been overnight there they've been competitive to now to the point where they're a top 10 program and Iowa that just took a long time, but has sustained success over a couple of decades now, and they're always competitive. So he's not looking at this as a as an overnight fix necessarily. I do think that Missouri could take a step backward next year because you're losing a lot from a team that's just you know slightly above average. So, um, but this is a positive to build on for sure. Well, part of the positive is is the building blocks of the what it should be a top twenty five class. Right. In recruiting, um, when it when it is officially said and done, it's 20th now, but could could probably fluctuate some with the second signing period. But I think folks are fired up about that. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm encouraged to hear Drinkwitz tell it like it is about this. He oh, said yeah. multiple times this year, look, we're not good enough um, in the in the division. You know, there are two two clear teams ahead of us in in Florida and Georgia, and we were not competitive against those teams. And, you know, we have we have miles to go until we get there, which is what anybody who's watched this season um, would have would have agreed with. But also, I think showing that Missouri is not far away from being that Missouri is the third team in the SEC East in the standings that can be debated. But they're 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 not as far away, I think, as some would have thought entering the season with you've got a coach who can recruit and a coach who can coach ball. And I think Missouri has one. And Eli Drinkwitz. So I'll, I'll say I'll say optimistic would be my grade for for Eli Drinkwitz's first season, and we'll see how that finishes with the bowl game. Three consecutive losses to end the season would not be um, would not be so great. And and I think one of the things too that really was challenging for Barry Odom, I think at times, was to you know 
get that elusive bowl win, right? And and we 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 talk about what do bowl games mean? What do they do they matter? Right. But they do provide a little more optimism, and they right. do they do kind of send the send send a team into the offseason on a high note. We'll see if Trinkwitz can can grab Gary, Gary Pinkle always had an interesting take on bowls. If you win them, you celebrate them and hype them up all throughout <laughs> the off season. Yes. And you say, here's, here's our trajectory. Here's our momentum. Yes. If you yes. lose them, you pretend like it never happened. We were good enough to go to a bowl game. Oh, how'd that bowl go? I don't, I don't remember what it you're doesn't talking matter. about. But yeah, bowl, bowl games are, are overrated. Navy, yeah, that's... We've never played Navy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, that's well said. It's almost like Gary uh, Gary knows a thing or two about uh, how to do this thing. Hey, before we run, Dave, we should wish a, a happy retirement to our old pal, Dave Christensen, the former yeah. Mizzou offensive coordinator. I covered him at Wyoming as the head coach. He ended his career as a offensive line coach out at Arizona State with many, many stops in between before yep. and after. Dave Christensen hangs up the whistle. Um, you got a favorite DC story? I can think of a couple. We probably need uh, a separate podcast. Yeah, no, he good guy, and he got to be a good friend. Um, him and his family are great. He's, his his daughters still live here in in Columbia. Um, I remember this was back when we used to be able to interview the assistant coaches. Imagine that, and actually go into their office um, and talk to them one on one, not over Zoom. Um, but he, when he first got to Missouri, he was uh, he was the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator. And which was kind of unique back then, and maybe still is today a little bit. And I just remember sitting down with him, and he 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 was showing me plays and showing me formations and things. And I was like, "What's the advantage of having you know your coordinator also be your O line coach?" And he just gave me this serious look. He's like, "Well, we know the protections are going to be fine." <laughs> Basically saying, if this offense screws up, it's not going to be the lineman's fault, right? Because I'm, I'm in charge of that. So he was a guy that was, he he had um, um some people who may may not care for him as much. They call it cockiness, but if you liked him, you called it a swagger. Um, he coached with some personality and some real confidence, and I think those guys that played for him, it it uh, it, it rubbed off on them, and I, I think he was a. Uh, he, he deserves a lot of credit for that staff surviving after the 2004 season. Cause he had the, he had the stones to go to Gary Pinkle and say, we need to change this offense. And, and Gary, to his credit, and we covered this a lot in Gary's book, he wanted to change too, but it kind of took both of them to come together to, to make this decision. Gary had been watching a lot of Mike Leach and um, Christensen liked what Urban Meyer was doing and uh, he gave him the green light to go out and find an offense to create. And, and he did. And it changed Mizzou football forever. When I covered Dave at Wyoming, he would not tell me which players did not practice that day, but he would let me show up to practice every day, watch the entire practice and stand next to the gate on the football field and actually check names as they came on and off the field on the roster. He didn't care if I did that, but he wasn't going to tell me if someone wasn't out there. That was on me to find out, which I always, I kind of respected that. And if I saw someone wasn't out there and I asked about it, he would tell me, which I thought was a pretty fair, pretty fair trade. There was one time, of course, you know, what, what Dave is, uh, one of the things Dave is known for is his, uh, his argument with, uh, with Air Force coach Troy Calhoun oh, yeah. that went viral on Deadspin because kind of ironically, something we've talked about on the podcast this year Air Force was clearly faking injuries during a game to try to slow down the Wyoming offense. And um, that was on deadline. It was a close loss. I filed my story. I run down to the press conference afterwards 
And because of the nature of the way the game ended, I had kind of missed Dave's initial comments about this argument with Troy Calhoun, which I probably would have gotten fired if I would not have gotten comments on and no one was going to just give them to me. Um, I had missed it and I was pretty much in trouble. And I did go up to him after the press conference and say, Hey, I'm sorry to ask you about this again, but you know, what happened there? And he could have very well told me, I already talked about that kick rocks and said, he actually gave me a better quote than he gave the first time around. I think in part because he was so, he was so ticked off. So uh, Dave, Dave didn't always love the, the, the role of folks in the media, but he did understand it. And, and I respect him and appreciate him for that. And also uh, um, he's got one of the uh, all-star coaching wives in the business in, in, in Susie, who, uh, who was always on the lookout for him and, and a pretty good co-coordinator for him too. So um, congratulations to the Christians and family. They're good folks and wish them well and happy golf to Dave. Hopefully maybe we can get him on the podcast sometime to tell That's some, great. tell some old Mizzou stories. Dave, great packed episode. Um, good, good, happy holidays to you. And uh, we'll have coverage from you from the bowl game. I'll be with, I'll be in Columbia for Missouri's game against Tennessee uh, in basketball. So we'll kind of split it up and, and we'll have all the coverage at stlt.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. To all the listeners, thank you for joining us for another year of the podcast. We'll be back in 2021. And we encourage you folks to subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. And thanks for, for joining us on this ride. For Dave, I'm Ben. Happy holidays, everybody. We will talk to you next year.